And welcome to the Druck Report. John Ruckermiller with you from hometownheadlines.com, our latest podcast series coming to you kind of live, I guess, uh, from the Brand Red Studios over on Bale Street. Once again, thanks for joining us today. Uh, we're looking at uh, the recently concluded election here in the city of Rome, a, uh, a breakthrough election, one that's going to change a lot of things. One of the gentlemen doing that, uh, one election, first time out here, ran an incredible difficult campaign. I almost said difficult, not difficult. Uh, Mark Cochran is here, city commissioner-elect. <laughs> still sounds, still sounds a little weird, but thank you. Hello. It's thank great you. to be here. No, thank you for being here as well. As always, Todd Labarge sitting here producing us over at Brand Red. And Mark, I got to tell you, um, this has been the most unique election for, I don't I won't get into some of the, yeah, well, later on, some of the whining we're done this election sequence sequence but you especially have done some unique things this election todd and i were just talking before uh this recording about you know this is one of the few years where we saw not as many campaign signs out i mean the number right. of yard signs and you were very aggressive with all your signage and different kind of signs and all uh you were very aggressive on social media you were also going to a lot of events out there and all as all the candidates i don't mean just the forms Sure. Like, where were you at this past weekend? I think I saw you at one of the festivals. The beer Fest. I was beer at Beer Fest. Fest, and then I was at Harvest Fest right okay. after that. So, yeah. You went to all those kind of things. So, as a candidate, first off, congratulations. For Thank yourself. you. Let's Thank make you. sure we stress that. Thank I mean, you. it's uh, now. Between Couldn't now have done it without my wife. I just want to throw that out there. Thank you, Michelle. Well, so. Michelle and your, and your boys, same <laughs> yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You guys, I mean, I, yeah, I'm not one of these team Druckenmiller or team right. whatever it is but you, you had team Cochran. i did i did in full force and y'all did a fantastic job with that but looking at this let's talk about number one um you know you, you've been thinking about running now for a number of months and of course you know you, you qualify whatever it was as a candidate running in rome and i mean you have of course you know substantial history here substantial business things here what was it like for you sir i mean i, I know that's one of those obvious you know ask, how do you feel questions but really, for a candidate to be someone, you're you're you are challenging the way business is done in Rome. You're challenging the way elections are run in Rome. You're going, you know, you're doing Facebook Live videos. I think my favorite was the one again, just telling Todd before this was the one where the sign was knocked down, and I think <laughs> you're about to go Clint Eastwood yeah, on this, yeah. get off my lawn kind of thing. And you turn that around into a great a great, but just a different way of doing it for a candidate. What was it like to run? I don't want to say outside. I hate that term, but a different campaign. It's, I guess I had the advantage of not really knowing what a traditional campaign was supposed to be run like. I didn't have a campaign manager other than my wife. And of course, she's never run a campaign. And we just sat down and kind of said, well, if we're going to do this, what's the best way to do it? What, who is our audience? How are we going to reach them? What do they want to hear? Um, and the what the want to hear part was pretty easy because I've been I've been rolling around everything that I've been talking about in my head for five six years now, just hoping that at some point something would would be done in that direction and it just it never happened it never happened it never happened and so we decided that that was kind of going to be our audience people who would who were like minded who wanted to see change who wanted to see something happen in Rome who felt that Rome had a great potential but. We just really weren't reaching for it, or maybe we were okay with the status quo. And the best way to reach those people, we thought, was probably Facebook. And oddly enough, it's, uh, you know, I would imagine that Wendy probably had the first digital election in Rome, but this is, I'm not sure that elections will ever be done the same after this one. Oh, I, I totally agree. Wendy Davis, of course, was yeah. very much very active in her campaigns on Facebook. 
uh, you extremely active, but I think some of your, um, I almost say some of your colleagues, other candidates out there, um, they picked up on this a little bit too. I think, I think toward the end of the campaign, people who may not have been social media friendly, I mean, election day, there was one candidate. I mean, I've, I've almost wanted to call this candidate up and say, stop. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're, pand- you're begging for votes. Enough. Sure. Stop. You know, it's election, whatever. Um, but yeah, you could tell from the start of the campaign, do I have any stats or numbers or whatever, or Google Analytics? No. But you were the kind of setting the pace. But man, toward the end, I mean, all just about all of them were kind of getting on there. And the other question is this, is it effective? It's a stupid question to ask a man who just won election for the first time out. Again, it's a major accomplishment. From your point of view, was it effective? I think so. It, of course, it's difficult to gauge, but I believe so. So as an example, the, the word video that I did had six and a half thousand views. Nice. Yeah. So only, you know, I received 1500 votes. So six and a half thousand views, it's you know, obviously it doesn't translate as a one to one, but I believe I got a good number of votes out of that video alone. There were people on election day who have voted in this town three times now. Okay. We're still confused about the ward. And A, I pointed them to your video. I said, I'm not trying to endorse, but go to this. But number two, and then I did, I said, I wrote a quick email saying, this is how it works. You, know, how yeah. you can vote for three in each ward. You can vote, you know, anybody on the, you know, both wards, you're open to vote. It's the most, our, our election system in Rome is the most it's confusing bizarre. I know. And I've been doing this since 1978. Yeah. Even we even went to the Georgia Supreme Court and they said, it's good, but mm, it's bizarre. I mean, people just don't understand the no, ward system. they don't. Why do we have nine city commissioners for a right. town of, what, 36,000 people? Yeah. That kind of open the county. The county government, which represents all 100,000, allegedly, um, there's five county commissioners. But we won't we won't get into that today. Biggest surprise for you in election 2019 of all the stuff that happened, and this has been one of the, like I said, one of the most, if not the most bizarre election I've witnessed, again, in 40-something years of journalism. What was the biggest surprise for you? So one of my major talking points, quite possibly, I'd say the second most major talking point, is the lack of young people that we have moving to the city. Good, Very good point. And I was afraid that by focusing a lot of attention and energy on that fact that I would turn off a large portion of the population who aren't in that demographic. And it turns out I was completely wrong. The When I talked about it, believe it or not, the... the the older the crowd was, the more they embraced that message. Interesting. It was completely inverse of what I thought it would be. That's interesting. It really was. I still don't. I still don't completely. Because you know, if if you look at social media and everything, it's the boomers against millennials. They all hate each other. Tom and Jerry, cat, mouse, kind of thing. Yep. It's. I did not see that. I did not see that at all. They under. They just inherently understood that a town without youth dies. Nope. Excellent point. And so, and so they just, they embraced it. They, they thought it was great. Well, and it, a good talking point there. I mean, let's go back. I can remember the days when the uh, Chamber of Commerce formed its young professionals. Sure. For that very reason, because, you know, you know, we, we had enough of those people, me, you know, the, you know, the, the, what do you call it? I'm not sure what generation I'm even in anymore. It's, it's, <laughs> it's after Lawrence Wilk. So that's, we'll use that for the landmark there, I guess. But I mean, uh, we had enough of us out there, men and women in business and community, this kind of stuff. But yeah, where were they? You know, after the guy, after the students got their degrees at Barry or Shorter or anywhere else or, you know, high school, whatever it is, hit the road, Jack. Hit I'm the road. not coming back here, yeah. you know. And boy, it's like 
Yeah, started young professionals yeah. trying to get some of these folks to network. I mean, yeah, we have the doctors, we have the medical folks, and all. But I mean, look at what the what the hospitals and Harvard have to do to sell this community yeah. to people who live outside. Great place to raise your kids. That's but right. What about that post college through? You know, that marriage and kids kind of well, scenario. You got a lot of folks there. Well, and generationally speaking, Gen X was a little bit of a problem for that, I would imagine. But Gen X is my generation. We're, we're Population-wise, we're significantly smaller than both the boomers and the millennials. But still, we would marry. I got married when I was 25, and that was not that unusual, you know. To, but, but now, because of debt and a whole slew of other things, educational requirements, millennials aren't getting married until 30s. Yep. And then they're not having children until their late 30s. And by that time, if we assume that we can only get them here or we're targeting people who have families, we're talking people in their late 30s. By the time you do that, you're ripping up your kids from their schools. You're ripping yep. up your family and your spouse who probably has a good job. We need to get in there way before that, way before that. And to get that, we just have to think differently. And that was kind of... That was kind of my campaign message in a nutshell, thinking differently. So now, my friend, you are an elected city commissioner. You're not sworn in yet. Sure. So what are you going to do about that problem? So I hope to have enough colleagues on the commission who understand that fundamental foundational need that if Rome doesn't grow its population, we're probably going to wither away at best. So I want to tackle it foundationally speaking, by enhancing things to do. And so kind of part of my campaign message was baby boomers view quality of life different than millennials do. Quality of life for baby boomers is what you have. So if you have an extra house, you have a lake house, you have a good quality of life. If you have a boat, you have a good quality of life. If you have three extra cars and one of them is an antique, you know, Corvette or something, you have a good quality of life. That's not that way for millennials. They, f they understand at a fundamental level that their generation has to work differently than the ones before them. And so quality of life for them is not what you have because they probably rightfully so think that they're never going to have a lot. It's what you do. It's entertainment. It's how can I go out and do things. Right. And so, you know, for the most part, youth has always kind of been like that. Youth, youth has never had a lot of what to do, but millennials are really focused on it. So they are also focused on the environment and affordable housing and all kinds of things, which is kind of my joke is they'll, you know, they'll happily live in a 350 square foot studio apartment and drop $20 on a mixed drink because the mixed drink is the thing to do, right? It's a social yep. environment for them. But so are rivers, right? And our rivers, I don't even know where to start. I do know where to start, but it it would take an hour on this podcast, which <laughs> I don't want to do. But sure, we, 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 it's <laughs> wide open, right? Okay. We have to tackle our rivers. We have to, we have to, I would love to build a river walk. We, I think we have to have a river walk. We have to, and we're not competing. We've been fooling ourselves. We are not competing with Calhoun. We are not competing with Cartersville. We are not competing with Dalton. We do not have I-75. And I know people will argue with me till I'm blue in the face and they're blue in the face and that's fine. I will continue to have that argument all day long. But the things that we could possibly have to do here, the potential that Rome has, would put us to compete with Chattanooga, Greenville, yep. Asheville, Columbus, Georgia, Huntsville, Macon's getting their stuff together, yep. by the way. So there are a whole lot of smaller cities 
that are really starting to grab a hold of their natural fundamental things to do, rivers, etc., mountains, trails, parks, and we're not doing that. And we absolutely have to do that because until we start doing that, we're going to lose talent and just everything that goes along with talent. Because if you believe the statistics, within five to seven years, 80%, eight out of every 10 people in the workforce will be someone who's under the age of 37. Wow. That's incredible. So what are we doing? We turn to Todd here. I think Todd's that issue. <laughs> I'll be eight yeah. by then. Um, and I know we're, I, I'll make a horrible segue here, but I know you know talking about number one about I seventy five and you know our quality of strength. I mean, you've kind of talked about that with economic development as well, which yes. actually is tied in very quickly and with the youth, with our with a you know a younger generation here, and with our assets here yes. and with our growth here. I mean, yes. and, and we talk about economic development, and I think one of your earliest. Uh, interviews on on Facebook or our conversations for the for the campaign profiles. I mean, you made a huge point by saying, you know, we're 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 Moby Dick here. We're we're looking for the big white white whale to bring in the next big and you know, we got to bring in the next Lowe's, you know, right warehouse something like that. We can't compete with that. We don't we don't have you know I seventy five is still going to be twenty five twenty seven miles away from Rome Georgia no matter what we do. Well, that's exactly right. And so if if you look at it. We have a geographical issue, which is impossible to to defeat, right? We're just, Rome can't move closer to 75, and 75 can't move closer to Rome. But the variable in all of that is we still have a hope that we can get a straight shot to 75. So even though geography plays a part, the time to go from point A to point B, we have been hoping for two generations now, will somehow lessen. I think the reality is Cartersville is what Cobb County was 20 years ago. Okay. And everybody knows what Cobb County looks like now. Every single bit of development that happens in Cartersville is probably going to start spreading north and west. Okay. That's typically when cities spread, because my brother's a city planner and he and I talk about this a lot. When cities that have no natural boundaries spread, for some reason, they don't know why, they typically spread north and west. Well, guess what's north and west of Cartersville? Rome. Yep. So every single development that happens between us and Cartersville slows us down. Good point. More cars on the road. That's right. So geographically, we're not moving any closer or any farther away, but time-wise, Every time a development happens towards Rome that's not in Rome, that's in Cartersville, it slows us down because they're going to eventually put red lights. You're going to have more cars on the road. It's just, you know, if you take it out to its logical conclusion, it's it's not it's not a pretty sight. Oh, no, but you didn't talk about Cobb County. I lived there before we moved up here, and I'll give you a quick, a quick background story. Um, when I moved into where we lived at in Mableton, really, it was, you know, not really a straight shot to I-285. And they built the east-west connector. Sure. Beautiful road. I mean, you know, we we moved in right when it was done, and our subdivision had been there for you know fifteen years already. A uh, very nice little place, John Whelan style homes and all. Very nice, very tranquil. But you know, here came here came the here was the Walmart. Here came the Target. Here came the new public. Uh, back when I had one of the first Aldi's, whatever it was. But along the east-west connector, 
from where it started on the you know west side of Cobb County going into 285. Yeah, as that opened up, opened up more intersections, here comes those red lights. That's right. Here comes the new, not just housing, here comes the new multi, you know, the multifamily housing, that kind of stuff. Today, the east-west connector is as clogged as any other road it was designed to rebuild. When we moved up here in 2002, you could already see it. Today, it's straight development from, you know, that so-called out-of-bounds, not-developed West Cobb to I-285. It's solid. Yep. Everything. And you're right. It created the the road that was built to to ease the traffic issues is now one of the worst contributors to traffic issues. Right, right. And so the population of Georgia has increased by 29.9% from 2000 to 2019. The population of Rome has increased, I think last time I looked, around 3%. Oh, yeah. So that means that the population of Georgia – Although it has increased 29.9%, the population of Atlanta is a different percentile than the population of Georgia because cities like Rome aren't getting the population growth yep. and cities like Atlanta are. Well, Atlanta can only have so much density and then it has to start spreading out, which is why it's outgrown Cobb County and is moving northwest, right? There's really nowhere else to go northeast, right? Gainesville is kind of, you know, the terminus up there. But I'm telling you what, Cartersville all the way up, it's it's Cobb County 20 years ago, and it's coming this way. And that's not a good thing or a bad thing, I don't think. If Rome leverages that properly and we stop focusing so much on manufacturing, we start thinking differently about economic development, we can leverage a lot of that. Well, you've been a champion of, you know, really of downtown Rome in particular saying, you know, instead of going after, you know, Moby Dick here, let's look at some of these small companies, small, you know, companies that do cater to some of the younger folks out there or the older folks out there. And what was your term? You had, you had a number you used in one of the things that said uh, how much an investment we could do in downtown Rome if we wanted to. $300 million. Oh, walk us through that. So if you take the square footage area or, or the acreage area of what's between the rivers, what's left to develop on Broad Street, and what could possibly go in in the future – there's easily $300 million worth of investment there. So just take as an example, um, Wayne Robinson's job at the district. My guess is $20 million, and that's just one little piece. That's just one little piece, and that's one little building on one little piece, and there's still more out parcels available on that. So by the time it's done, that one little out parcel could bring – $30 $30 million worth of development, wow. it's really not difficult to see that happening 10 more times. So $300 million worth of development downtown over the next 10 years, it could happen. It could easily happen. And if you add on to that a river walk, and so all of a sudden we get tourism up, and if you do the river walk right, then you can help with the things to do, and then you get tech companies down. And if we're intentional about who we attempt to bring here, it's like, do you have to load it on a transfer truck? Yes. Well, then... We appreciate you coming to visit us, but you're probably not a good fit. And we need to be okay saying that. Instead, how do you ship your product? Well, we either do it by small-scale UPS or you hit the enter button and you send it out into the cloud. Yep. That doesn't require a transfer truck. And we need to start thinking like that. I mean, for for goodness sake, we have four amazing institutes of higher education Mm -hmm. here. We have three amazing medical institutes here. Would it not make sense at some shape, form, and fashion to try to get those two together 
and get something fantastic in our urban core where you can get, you know, innovation going between the two. And I'm not saying that can happen, but I'm saying if it can't, I don't know why. And we should explore it until, you know, everybody's just blue in the face of talking about it. Nope. Good points about that. Mark Cochran is here, city commissioner-elect for the city of Rome. We're talking about his campaign, about some of the things he talked about in the campaign. Now, what he wants to do to make some of those things a reality here. We'll talk more about that after this break. You're listening to the Druck Report. John Ruckermiller, Home Down Headlines. We're back after this break. I'm Ryan Simmons, creative director at Brand Red. We're honored to sponsor today's episode. If you're looking to grow your business, we help companies just like yours reach new customers. Contact us by visiting our website at brandredstudios.com or emailing us at info at brandredstudios.com. And welcome back to the Direct Report. We are talking with City Commissioner-elect Mark Cochran about the race, about what's coming up next. A lot of exciting things going to be happening here in the city of Rome. Again, we are coming to you from the studios of Brand Red over on Bale Street in the River District. Todd Labarge producing us today. As always, doing a fantastic job. But guys, we just mentioned River District. Let's go back to that. We're just talking about the district off air. We're talking about, is that right way to say that for a podcast? Off air. Off air, It's yeah. that radio thing. <laughs> off whatever. Off the cloud. How's that? Uh, we're talking about you know, one of the new restaurants in the River District, Aventine, or that's my, my pronunciation. We have a little bit this morning on them on the website, hometownheadlines.com. But yeah, there's so much happening in this area, especially River District. And we had, you know, Art um, Newell on board here a few months back on one of the earlier podcasts talking about that. But Mark, you, you made a good point about this. You know, here's Wayne doing the district. You're very familiar with that. And we're just project. We have, I think, um, something, and I'm going to get shot for this. Thank God I'm not running for office. But I walk into the lobby of the Courtyard Riverwalk Rome or R- Courtyard Rome Riverwalk. I still can't get that straight. Yeah. But I said to my wife the first time we got in there, I said, we're not in Rome anymore. Yeah. It is so unique, and they have done an excellent job of late of marketing that as a different venue for entertainment or dining or events. They had the Confluence stuff there and all. Uh, I think some of the nights to remember a lot of events and all, but they're really trying to open up. Not Sure, the hotel wants business. Sure. More important, though, they're opening up the River District as well. That's right. So if you had one chance as a person to remake yourself, what would you remake yourself into? And that's the question Rome is facing right now. And so the remaking of Rome can happen right here, right in the River District. We get one shot at it. We can either do a great job at it or we can do a lousy job at it. And, I, you know, it's uh, I'm not saying I have all the answers, but I, I do have a skill set for planning, right? And I do have a skill set that, um, you know, involves construction and architecture and things like that. So I think the nice thing is planners, even consultants, when they come into a town and they propose something, they have to, at least we do this, we, we weigh the political cost of it. Okay, 
how many of the commissioners do we think we can get to agree to this? How many of the commissioners do we think we can get to agree to this? And there's there's a monetary value for them in that, right? Well, if we just go all out and show them something that they think is ridiculous, still they won't hire us again. As commissioner, I can throw out something that seems completely ridiculous from a consultant's point of view, right? And as commissioner, you can fire me in four years, but for four years, you got me. And so that's what I'm going to do. You know what? Let's sit down and let's talk about things that really could happen if we really want Rome to remake itself into something spectacular. Because it already is great, but we need to make it so much better. We have a chance to do it over here. What's that going to take? See, and I love the point you're making there. And as someone who's been here for 17 years, me, yes, I live in the county, but still, you know, all my business is done in Rome. Um, That's what I think scares some people. They're like, you want to remake our city? It's already perfect. Hey, look, we moved here because, you know, I wanted to raise my son in a suburb, not in Atlanta. Um, Back then, important to us was I'm Catholic. We're Catholic. It's a Catholic school here in town. Oh, by the way, Rome Braves just opened up. That's awesome there. But also, you know, you talk about the millennials getting married later in life. I got married at 42, had a kid at 45. And when we were relocating, what's one of the other big things I looked at? Incredible medical here. Oh, yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. the two hospitals, Harbin Clinic. I mean, you know, as I get to an age where now I may need a tweak or two or something like that. So we have a wonderful foundation here. Nobody is, no one is saying disparaging things about the community at all. Not whatsoever. No, no, not no. You're talking about something, you know, back in the days when we had, you know, the the mills, the Lindale mills and, you know, all that other good stuff. And we had to remake the community back then. This has been done before in Rome. Yes. We got to repurpose Rome again. So how do you pull that off? So I think it's honestly, it's, it's once again, it's, it's how do you envision what Rome's future should be? Not necessarily who you're catering to, although that's a large part of it because we, we ignore millennials at our own peril. But how do you fundamentally start thinking differently? And we have been a mill town for a long time. And people think I beat up on manufacturing, and maybe it comes across like that, and I certainly don't mean to. My dad was in the carpet industry. He was brought here by Gardner Wright a long time ago to open um, a mill. He was an, he was the head engineer, head textile engineer there. So I grew up in mills and around mills in Calhoun and in Dalton and in Rome, and my parents owned a small business after my dad got out of the carpet business in manufacturing. I grew up in manufacturing. I know manufacturing. And NAFTA killed it. Yeah, good point. NAFTA killed a lot of it. Very good point. So GE is gone. They're not coming back. Florida Tile is gone. They're not coming back. Lindale Mill, gone. Not coming back. Galeon Lord, not coming back. Selenese, it's not coming back. So if you're faced with that, right, what do you do? Well, you say... Thank God we have the ones that are here. But if you also say, well, the ones that are here are a shining example of the ones who should come. Well, okay, let's take a look at that also. I-75, the last part of I-75 to be finished, was December the 21st, 1977. And it was between Cartersville and Marietta. So that means that every single manufacturer that was here before December the 21st, 1977, came here because either 27 was a good transportation route, Mm -hmm. or 411, which hasn't ever been really a great transportation route, or some other transportation route. 
So let's take three companies that are just on 27. Let's take Profile Extrusion. Mm -hmm. It's been here for 55 years. It's here before 75. Let's take Beckhart. It was here before 75, sometime in the 70s. And the reason Sooner came here in 1976, before I-75 opened, was in large part because Beckhart was here. Right? So those three are here, and they're still here. And I want them to stay, and I will bend over backwards to get them to stay. I'll do everything that I could possibly do as one of nine people to get them to stay. But we have to realize the reason we have them is because 27 at the time was a good transportation corridor. Very good. Very good point. It's, you know, if they were to relocate again, would they come here? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. People I don't, don't know. realize 27, what 27 was back, you know, back in the day before yeah. 75 was finished. No, excellent. Well, it's like Florida and U.S. one in 95. I, yeah. mean, I grew up in the East Coast of Florida, and, you know, even when I moved down in 95, wasn't done quite yet. So U.S. one was it. You had hotels, you had the restaurants, all that kind of stuff. Today, U.S. one is a pit yeah. because everything's out near I-95. Even with the water, they still want out better access, better travel. Sure. And so so we can we can either pretend as though – 3% population growth is a good thing for Rome. Or we can say, how do we leverage the best that Rome has to offer and turn it into such an asset that people will drive an extra 25 minutes off the interstate to come here? And that's what I want to do. You want to make Rome a destination town? I want to make it a destination town. I absolutely do. That's and there's ways to do that. And the great thing about it is... There's, there's, there's two sides to every coin. One, one side of the coin is Rome is behind. And it's not only behind, I, I, I jokingly say, only half-jokingly, that it's exponentially behind. Because if you go to Chattanooga or Greenville or Columbus or Asheville or places like that, one good decision there tends to multiply into 10. That's a very so they're exponential, whereas one good decision here maybe leads to one more good decision. So we don't have the exponent going on yet. They do. So we're behind the eight ball big time. But the great thing about being behind is you get to see how they messed up. Good point. And they've messed up in some places. Yep. And they will willingly tell you where they messed up. So we can learn from their mistakes. We can also learn from their successes. But we can't learn anything if we stick our head in the ground and don't do anything. Which sadly, and I'm sorry everybody wants to call and yell at me, but I mean it's been the case for a number of years here. Yeah. Well, we're good here. We got this. We got this. We got the hospitals, and we're, you know, we're going to try to bring in the next, you know, next lows, whatever it is. Man. And yeah. How's that working out for us? You know, and that's just it. Yeah. So now here's the next question for him. Next phase of the stuff. You're new. You got some good ideas. You have some great ideas. Um, you have you have two fellow city commissioners. One technically is a former city commissioner sure, who's sure. making a comeback after you know, what twenty five, whatever year, right. thirty years. Uh, and Jim Bojo, of course, a new commissioner who's been around. And you have um, six incumbents who have been there for a while. That's right. How do you turn that wheel to get your colleagues on the board? More important, as you probably heard today's rant on the newscast today, is, I mean, you, this the new blood on the commission, and some of the agents of change, I'll call them, on the commission already, you guys have a hell of a mission ahead of y'all. We do. To kind of turn this wheel. How do you do it? Well... Have you ever heard of game theory? I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> uh, I use Survivor, TV show Survivor. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, so, no, I mean, they're, they're, 
Look, it's it. I intentionally did not declare a party. I am a Roman. It's a nonpartisan election. It's a everybody non, forgets. It's a nonpartisan election, and even if it was a partisan election, I would have entered as an independent. Good for you. And the reason why is, I have my political preferences on the state and the federal level, but on the local level. As a commissioner, I serve everyone. I am a Roman. So, technically, even though it's nonpartisan, I believe, and I might be wrong, and you know, if you have other people on the podcast, they could certainly speak to it. Um, I believe we have what shakes out to be roughly four Republicans and four Democrats. We need to get along. Good point. And right now, if if I'm the person in the middle, that's not a bad place to be, right? Oh, I, I'm, I'm envious. I think it's a great place to be. Well, <laughs> so... You can jack both sides around if you ask me. <laughs> well, and I, I, I don't want to do that. I know. I, I know. I know. It's, it, it's, um, I don't want to do that. I want Rome to move forward. That's really the reason I ran. Look, if if I um if I wind up playing politics and partisan politics the whole time, I might as well just go home because I'm not good at that. I never will be. But I, I ran under the assumption that Rome could be better if we all truly have Rome's interest at heart. And granted, people have different ideas about what's best for Rome, and I get that. But every personality test that I take, and whether or not it's a you know it's a lion sack of crap or not, I don't know. I always come out as a diplomat, right? I try to get people to get along. I am not positive I can get everybody to get along, but I'm pretty sure I can get a lot of people to get along. You need to get a majority along. Yeah, I need to get a majority yeah. along. And five, if if we only get five, I'd rather get six. I'd rather get se- I'd rather get nine. Yep. But if it if we only have five to move it. Five's enough. Now that's at your first challenge is that city commission. Now, but what about and I don't I'm not going strictly at city administration here, but you gotta change a mindset of a town too. Not not the town. I sure. think I think there are a tremendous number of people. You wouldn't be elected today if people didn't believe we can be a better community. That's true. I that's think true. that's those folks are out there. But you gotta change the what's the word for it? Um, not the genre, the the mindset of this community. You sure. got you to you get, uh, you know, okay, everybody loves City Hall. Let's go downtown and, you know, we'll have a nice little event and 400 people show up. And this is a success. No, no, we don't. We got to get out of that mindset. So how do you move not only the commission, right, but maybe the administration and including those in the, you know, the lower ranks, they got to move along too. Sure. So I think, I think the idea that kind of turned over the apple cart, so to speak, was that the way we are is okay. Because I was having a discussion with somebody and they're like, well, Broad Street's great. It's like, if you, ever, if you really looked at it, it's like, really look at it. If Broad Street's not okay, then then everything else is probably not okay either. But Another good video you did. And, and you were showing some of the situations we need to fix on Broad Street, right. which is our crown jewel. Right. So I think that the leadership that was being passed down to the administration was such that steady as she goes, we're on calm waters. And that's true. 
We are all in calm waters, and we're headed for a waterfall. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So if the administration is being told we're on calm waters, steady as she goes, don't shake anything up, then that's what happens, and that gets passed down. And so there's a little bit of if the commission feels like they're on steady waters, then they can kind of take their eye off the ball, and the administration runs it, and you know there's a little bit of administration feeding up and kind of leading up, whereas I believe that the commission should kind of lead and then pass that down to the administration and ask them to do it in an efficient and effective manner. And I think it's been going a little bit backwards lately. And it's not the fault of the administration, in my opinion. It's the fault of leadership of the commission. Good point. And it's maybe not so much even the fault of the leadership of the commission. It's the fault of the vision of the commission. So I believe if you start leading and you start saying, this is where we are going, not only this is where we are going, this is where we must go if we are to remain relevant, I think that's a message most everybody can get on board with because it has an end game to it, right? We are going here. This is our terminus point. This is where we want to go. This is who we want to be in 20 years, in 10 years, in five years, in two years. These are things that should happen. Let's work towards that. And in the middle, there's going to be a whole lot of gobbledygook that's got to get worked out. And that's just how cities work. And that's fine. But keep your eye on the ball, head towards, head towards a goal and get there. And I think if you do that and you pass that down, it creates a sentiment amongst everybody of, hey, we have our heading. Let's turn the let's grab a hold of the rudder. Good. Let's turn it and let's get going. Turn no. away from the waterfall. Yeah. So. No, we've got to get to very good announcements on the waterfall. No, we're not headed for disaster, but we do have some problems coming we up do. if we don't. And we've just been in that, you know, hey, this is a great place to live, great place to raise kids. It is. It is. But it's also a great case maybe to bring those kids back here after they graduate college and high school, whatever it is, and stay here and grow this community. Two, yeah, you know, you know, we're not going to be Chattanooga, but you know what? We can do a lot of what they do. And like you said, steal the good ideas right? and make sure we don't make the same mistakes. One of the most impactful statements that anybody made to me on the, um, on the whole campaign trail was I was at a debate. I won't mention which debate because you know, I don't want to out the person. But they came up to me, and they didn't know me from Adam's house cat, and I didn't know them from Adam's house cat. And this person said, I have two daughters. They're both about to turn 19. I told them to get the hell out of Rome, Georgia, and never come back because there's nothing for you here. Oh, my gosh. And she said, after I heard what you were talking about, she says, I'm still telling them to get out, but I hope they can come back. Good. Well, as a, as a father of a 20-year-old, Trust me, I would love to see my son come back and do engineering here. Yeah. But, you know, whether he's going to do it, I don't know. I mean, he's, you know, it's a wide-open kid. He's growing up here. He loves Rome. But, I mean, could have gone to Barry College for free. Sure. But he wanted to get out of town. He said, yeah. Dad, I've been here all my life. And, okay, I understand. Yeah. You know, here, I'll, I'll start writing those checks University of Georgia. And this gator <laughs> will smile about it, but I know he's getting a great education. Well, sure. And he would here, too, as well. Sure. So all this stuff, Mark, a final couple of minutes here. Um you know, campaign, you know, y'all are in. We have some change happening here. Uh, the dynamics of the city of Rome, the city commission of Rome, I think, start January. As a journalist, I want to tell you, I am excited as hell because it's going to be some new new things happening here, which I think we need. Again, it's editorial, it's opinion, and that kind of stuff. How can people, we'll end up to this question here, allegedly, it'll be about five more after this, I'm sure. How can people help you and help the city get what you're talking about so 
I'm going to kind of follow Wendy's model. When an issue comes up that I think people need to pay attention to, I'm going to start doing videos on it. I'm going to post it all over social media. I'm going to invite them to groups. I'm going to make sure they know about meetings and everything. But before, hopefully, it ever gets to that point, I'm, I'm really going to try to keep people informed on social media. I would like to have a dedicated part of the website that Rome, Georgia has, and of course we share it, but it's difficult to find information if you don't know where to look. Yep. And once you get there, it's kind of, you know, it could be better. So we need to inform people and be more transparent about what's going on so that a hundred people don't find out that X is about to happen one week before it happens. Yep. Right. So that's, that's one thing. The other thing is the great thing about focusing a city on things to do is there are lots of different things to do. And there are lots of different ways that people think of things to do, which means that there could be lots of cool ways to get involved in things to do. So as an example, public art, I'm just going to go out and say it, that I would love to see every school, elementary school, have a corner of Broad Street. And they could go out there with their art teachers and they could paint the benches. They could paint the uh, telephone poles, the red light poles. Uh, they could paint the trash cans. Basically, the, the old army saying goes, if it doesn't move, paint it. <laughs> Same thing here. Right, so you send them to my house. And yeah. <laughs> so and, and you know, don't don't imagine them going out there and just painting it back green again. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, you know, do an art project. Make the bench an art project. Because if you drive through, if you drive through Athens, if you drive through Augusta, if you drive through Hilton Head, if you drive through St. Simons and all these other places, they have they have art everywhere, right? Good point. We don't. We don't. Why not? Why, what's so sacred about keeping a park bench green? Well, look at the mural across the street here. Again, we're on Warren Bale Street, just off Fifth Avenue, and the mural right in front of um, the Growler, yeah. a foundry station, found, foundry the Growler station. Um, that's one of the biggest pieces of public art I've seen in, yeah. like I said, seventeen years living here. Right. Right. So, so that could be a committee, and then you have somebody that could be in charge of wall art committee. Right. And so not that I want to get bogged down in committees because, you know, they, they you know, just by their very nature, they're, they're more bureaucratic probably than they should be. But it gives people a chance to get involved. The other thing I really want to explore is um, a neighborhood planning unit. And I have a feeling I'm going to get a good bit of pushback on that. And that's fine. You're but, kidding, from a neighborhood point of view? No, no, no. OK. No. But so essentially what a neighborhood planning unit is is um, in Atlanta, uh, Maynard Jackson, when he got elected in 74, the first thing he did was start neighborhood planning units. And a neighborhood planning unit allows neighborhoods to kind of control at least as much as possible, or practical rather, certain aspects of their neighborhood. So not so much zoning, but what the zoning is. Good point. So take, for example, Somerville Park. If That's Somerville Park... Idea had had a neighborhood planning unit 10 years ago my guess is that where the hotel was going to go would have never been commercial to begin with and so they get to make micro local controls that eventually go back up to the city commission 
And hey, yeah, I'm going to be honest with you. It takes more work from the planning department. It takes more work from the city commissions. But if you assign one city commissioner, and you can break it down by ward if you want to, to every neighborhood, say Somerville Park had a commissioner, North North Rome had a commissioner, South Rome had a commissioner, Town Rome had a commissioner assigned to it, and those neighborhoods met once a month, and the city could give them a little bit of funding to provide food and, and drinks, you know, for people to show up. You would get micro leadership that would eventually turn into macro leadership that could, you know, help you get new commissioners, you know, with the understanding of how government works before they ever get to, you know, to city commissioner to start with. And so there's just there's 300 little things like that from the uni- the Unified Land Development Code that needs tweaking to have got some ideas about building inspection and getting contractors and building inspectors to, to get along a lot better and be informed better to uh, all kinds of things of, on how we do RFPs for the city. There's just a, there's a litany of them. And if I get to 20% of them, I'm going to be happy. But no, good goals. Good goals indeed. Um, thank you. I mean, thank I, you. I, I, for, it's folks, very quickly, I just said this in the very first, very first thing. We arranged to do this podcast before Monday or Sunday or over the weekend, whatever it was. Um, I was out of town. No, it had to be, had to be Monday. Um, wouldn't lose a draw. That's right. And we, we had things not gone the way you wanted to go. Sure. We would have had the same, you know, we would have had this conversation as well. So, A, that takes guts. Thank you for doing that. Sure. B, thank you for running, running, you know, really one of the most unique campaigns, again, in my 40 plus years. And then I think you ran it on all these things you just talked about, on changes, on growth, on improving Rome, and, uh, you know, taking, you know, the foundation, which is a very solid foundation in this town, let's make it better. That's right. There's nothing wrong with that. No. And I know it's change, and some folks, you know, I ask people to change their lives every day. That's right. how that's how we make news. Okay? Sure. So, yeah, we're going to change, but we're going to change for the better, and it's going to be even a better community out there. I wish you the best of luck, first off, number Thank one. Thank you. And, and, you know, don't be, and I know you won't. You've got a very, I think, a very strong self, uh, a self-drive there. But, I mean, we'll talk, and I'm sure we'll do more of these conversations coming up as well. But I want to thank you for what you did. I want to thank you, Michelle, your family for running. Sure. Uh, A fantastic campaign. It was an absolute blast to watch it come together. Well, thank you. And and my thanks go to, um, obviously, the citizens of Rome for voting for me and believing in me. (laughs) And this is fun. Uh, Just a little side note right here. Um, One of my really good friends said, now, I'm not trying to beat you down, Mark, but you have to understand they're not voting for you as much as they are voting for what you're saying. Hmm. And I said, I'll take that because you know what? If if uh, if the idea survives and the person who spits it out doesn't, even better. No, good e- point e- about even it. even better. So um, so yeah. Obviously, uh, I hope I hope the message resonated, um, and I appreciate all fifteen hundred and twelve people that voted for me. Uh, I'd shake all their hands if I knew all of them. I don't think I do, uh, but but you know this this town this town is great, and the people of this town are more than great, which is why I really believe that this town could be more than great. So, Good for you. And thank you for, you know, your your unbiased and honest opinion and, and you know, reporting this, and and I really appreciate it. No, glad to do it. Glad to watch it. It's been, been, been a lot of fun from our point of view. I want to thank you for your time today. Todd, of course, as always, thank you yeah, for all thanks, the production Todd. work yeah. here. Folks, thank you for listening. A little bit longer podcast here, and we kind of think, well, it seems to be about 30 minutes. I mean, I don't know about you. 
But I mean, we've been talking like you know for, for you know forty five minutes here, and I mean, I think we're just getting started. Yeah, I could do this for another two hours. Watch out, folks! We may do it. No, we'll we'll do more <laughs> of those down the road as well. But I want to thank you all for listening today. Continue to listen to us on Home Down Headlines, the the newscast every morning. We do those as well. We have a series of podcasts here again, produced with our colleagues here at Brand Red Studios. Mark, thank you and your family you. for your time today. John Rucker Miller saying updates always at hometownheadlines.com. Have a great day in Northwest Georgia.